This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. I really don't think that the animal cracker qualifies as a cracker. Well, because it's sweet, which to me suggests cookie, and, you know, when you're putting cheese on something, it's sort of the defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. I don't know why I thought of that. I just... Baby, you have such sweet filter. I got, like, little animal cracker Discovery Channel thing. Watch the gazelle as he grazes through the open plains. <laughs> now, look. The cheetah approaches. Watch as he stalks his prey. Yeah, the gazelle's a little spooked. And he could head north to the madness peaks above. Could go south. The gazelle now faces man's most perilous question. A little more. You gotta go. Watch a smile while you. I gotta think of. No, I have two daughters. Not making that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that joke. <laughs> uh, watch you smile while you're sleeping, while you're far away and dreaming. Yeah, I could spend this night, my life, in my this life sweet surrender. In this sweet surrender, I could stay lost in this moment. How long? Forever. Okay. Every moment spent with you is a moment I treasure. This song's creepy. And weirdly, I've seen this song. I've told this on the main channel before. I've seen this song done twice as a first dance at weddings. Yes. Both of them have ended in divorce. Well. Both of them. This song is a kiss of death. <laughs> Not it's, quite a kiss from It's a about as weird as when in Arrested Development they did the whole afternoon delight thing. Right. It's about as weird as that. It is. And that was intentional. And it was intentional. Here, not so much. Not at all. In fact, <laughs> today- Brian's pick, Brian's month here. It is. We are talking about 1998 Armageddon, directed by the Michael the fucking Bay. Michael fucking Bay. I'm giving it to him. Yeah, you he has should. Earned it. You should. We've done what is this? 16 episodes on Patreon now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two of them have been Michael Bay. Yeah. And two of them have been Criterion Collection. Michael fucking Bay crazy and then he was like you know what i'm gonna do some transformers movies for the rest of forever criterion you want to put get the fuck out michael <laughs> you've dealt with your shenanigans before. enough michael you've seen this thing how many times oh too many to count fair enough and you i've seen it three times this week <laughs> fair so there you go fair. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those movies that i won't ever turn it off yeah if it's on i'm watching every single time and i'm watching it to the end i unabashedly love this movie and Boy, is it not good. 
It's yeah, it's got some issues, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a reason when you say, "Hey, I'm watching Armageddon later." You have to wait and see what the other person's reaction you is. You have no idea because some people be like, "Oh, awesome," and other people be like, "What? Why?" Realistically, when you go to college and you do that weird icebreaker up front, and they ask you like your favorite movie, say Armageddon every single time, <laughs> and just look around and see what the reactions are. Because the person who gets excited. That's your friend. Yeah. That's going to be like your best man at your wedding. It's <laughs> going to be the godfather right of your children. He's like, you're Armageddon. All because you both drilled a hole into your friendship <laughs> together <laughs> because of Armageddon. Right. It's the most logical way to form a friendship, just like it's the most logical way to blow up an asteroid. <laughs> of course. That's what they all say. You want to get into this thing? This yeah, is going to be a fucking not? ride. Oh, man. We're going to have some fun here. This is probably the most joked about movie that we do on the main channel. It always somehow comes back to Armageddon. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you picked it. <laughs> and I'm so happy we get to just dissect this thing. Yeah. Really get into it. And we should say beforehand that me and you both watched the movie separately. Yep. And then together, <laughs> we both watched the Criterion DVD commentary, which has Michael Bay. Jerry Bruckheimer, Bruce Willis, and more importantly, most importantly, Ben Affleck's legendary commentary. So it is good. It really is the thing of legends when it comes to a movie commentary. It's phenomenal. And it very much holds up in the best way. He's on another level of good. <laughs> he is 100% on. If you as don't like him as Batman, go find the Criterion Collection of Armageddon <laughs> and just listen to him, and you're going to be like, Ben Affleck was the bomb in Batman. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> wait, yeah, he is great. Oh, man, let's get into it. Let's do it. Charlton Heston tells us all about a six-mile-wide asteroid that crashed into Earth and wiped out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. He's, like, so proud of it while he's saying it. He though. is. He's like, do you see that motherfucking asteroid flying to Earth? It's going to kill them dinos. Take it from my cold, dead planet. He also he's so proud of himself. He is. He's smug almost it is a little on the smug side like he's team asteroid what's that about fair enough <laughs> i mean if you got to pick sides and you know who the winner is because of a voiceover narration <laughs> flashback yeah i'm gonna be team asteroid too yeah he claims that shit's gonna happen again it's not if it's when stakes i guess so <laughs> the criterion commentary michael bay point makes sure to point out that this is a CGI shot of he the Earth exploding. What out of his way to say that this is not real? <laughs> yeah, guys, we didn't actually use practical effects to blow up the Earth in the opening scene. Unbelievable. Uh, and that's when I knew. I'm in for a I'm ride. In. I'm completely in. <laughs> While noodling around in a satellite, the space shuttle Atlantis gets blown up by a meteor shower, killing the entire crew. This really bums out the head of NASA, Dan Truman, played by... Mr. William fucking Robert fucking Thornton. That's right. Billy Bob is here. He is here. And it should be noted that when he comes on screen in the commentary, Ben Affleck starts <laughs> doing a Sling Blade impression. Mm -hmm. And he keeps doing a Sling Blade impression every time Billy Bob Thornton's on screen. Yeah. yeah. It's delightful. It's amazing. <laughs> There's one part where he does like a proper Billy Bob impression, and that's even more impressive. I couldn't believe how well he did it. He I absolutely like, nailed it. Like, oh, did they bring in Billy Bob Thornton for this one scene to do commentary? He didn't get invited. <laughs> <laughs> he gets even more bummed out when the meteorites bombard New York City, 
where an unsuspecting Eddie Griffin is just trying to get his dog to stop attacking some Godzilla statues. It's so good. I, so I good. love when that dog attacks the statues. It's amazing. I can't believe they there was a dog that was specifically trained to attack Godzilla statues. Very specific. To the point where they had to hide the statues from the dog until it was go time, or else he would have just torn them up before it was, right? was cued. Can you imagine Caesar Milan coming on the <laughs> set going, <laughs> whatever that weird sounding yeah. to dogs is. It's like, okay, what do you want me to do, Michael Bay? I want you to train this dog. Yes, no problem. <laughs> to do what? To attack Godzilla. Okay, I quit. <laughs> and that's why you have to spend 20 Should've grand. Should have seen that coming. <laughs> You got to spend twenty grand to bring in the the professional Godzilla attacking dog. Amazing. The budget for this movie was one hundred forty million dollars. I don't know how. I do. No, this should be more by like a lot. Oh, by okay. like a whole lot. Long story short, a bunch of stuff in New York gets blown up, and an old dude who hates his wife calls up NASA and says, "Hey, found this asteroid in my telescope." That's a good place to find asteroids. Yeah, is in a giant ass telescope. He's got a big one, so he was like, "I see it," and they're like. Did you tell anybody? Because we want to keep this quiet. And then he names it after his wife. Which is very sweet. It's super sweet. Until he says, I want to name it Dottie after my wife. And she's like, oh, because she's a blood-sucking bitch. I'm like, dude! <laughs> <laughs> it's good, because so yeah. far we've established Michael Bay as both racist because of the Eddie Griffin stuff. Yep. And misogynist because of the wife Because stuff of the Dottie like, stuff. Wow, just get it all out of the way right up front. It's going to make the rest of this right. movie just glitter. All right, we know what we're in for now. <laughs> On an oil rig somewhere out in the ocean is Harry Stamper, played by Bruce fucking Willis. Oh, yeah. He's the best damn deep core oil driller in the world. <laughs> uh, back to the commentary. <laughs> ben Affleck wants to know who's rating these people. Yep. <laughs> and... Man, is he good. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact Already? For you. I do. How it's, many were there for this movie? I need to know up front so I can just mentally prepare myself. There were a lot of trivia facts for this movie. Okay. Most of them were was just one person who submitted everything they said in the Criterion commentary. Really? Yeah. It's a sad existence it for sure a human being. It sure is. But uh, suffice it to say, I have a few because there were a lot. Boy, I can't wait. But this one- Right off the bat, because we just got introduced to Bruce Willis's character, this is an actual IMDb trivia fact. Armageddon was Bruce's 12th last film before going bald. His 12th last film? Yep, his 12th last film. Okay. So, <laughs> there you go. He's got hair. Good for him. That's I want to know if this person went to the, the next 11 films and put, this is Bruce Willis's 11th last film before <laughs> going bald. That is such a specific thing to track. Just going through Bruce Willis's IMDb page and clicking on stuff and submitting facts like, this is where he went bald. That's like the type of Twitter account that someone has that's like, is Bruce bald? Exactly. And it's just a picture of Bruce and just goes, nope. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nope. <laughs> one of those. There's a lot of pages out there like that. Like There's an insane thing. amount. The one I just saw this week was uh, Liza Minnelli Outlived. Okay. And if something dies or someone dies, they just put Liza Minnelli outlived so and so. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's like the Instagram account that is just the same picture of Michael Sarah every day. They also have the same picture of Jeff Goldblum every day. Oh, that's even yeah. better. Is it the sexy picture? It from... is the sexy picture. That's all you need. In that's life. all you need. So Bruce Willis just discovered that his young, big-headed, rambunctious employee AJ, played by Ben Fucking Affleck, with his new teeth. 
with his $20,000 <laughs> set of teeth that, that Michael Bay was like, don't like your teeth, going to give you new ones. And then he did. That's power. Whole new set of chompers for the movie. And Ben Affleck already had an Oscar at this point for writing Good Will Hunting, right? With baby teeth. Yeah. <laughs> he could have just pulled a How Do You Like Them Apples on Michael Bay. Could And he chose not to. But no, instead he was like, yeah, I'll get new teeth. Bruce Willis has just discovered that Ben Affleck is sleeping with his daughter, Grace. Now what you want. Played by Liv Tyler. Right. So naturally, he's going to chase him around the oil rig with a shotgun. <laughs> yep. Also, Steve Buscemi's character might be a pedophile. Absolutely is a pedophile because yep. right away, yep. he starts talking about young girls. Sure. Not well, a good introduction. Liv Tyler is like, Steve Buscemi had to teach me how to put in a tampon. And he, whoa, he says, boy. whoa, I, I told her how. I didn't teach her how. Not good. No. Not a good not, setup. Not how you want to start off your character. So right now, all of our characters established in this movie that we've met, <laughs> there's something wrong. Yes. Okay. Just want to be on the same page here. It's funny because Steve Buscemi, when he took the role, it was pitched to him as like a heroic geologist. And he's like, oh, that's excellent. That It'll get me away from these parts I'm always typecast in with this like sleaze ball. And then as soon as he accepted the part, they wrote in all this sleazy <laughs> shit into the. <laughs> it's like, oh, we got Steve Buscemi. Let's Is make the this ink guy. dry on the contract? Perfect. <laughs> sleaze it up. Buscemi it up for me. The braids at NASA discover the asteroid is the size of Texas, traveling at 22,000 miles an hour, and will collide with Earth in 18 days. Very specific. And it's going to effectively destroy the planet on impact. It's a global killer, as they call it. what they call it. Cue a montage of NASA nerds trying to solve the problem in hilariously ineffective ways. (laughs) They want to put like a parachute on it. How does that even work? The size of Texas, how do you slow down something the size of Texas with a parachute? Eventually, they settle on a plan to detonate a nuclear bomb at a precise point under the asteroid's surface, splitting the asteroid in two, causing it to miss Earth. And that blows my mind, because Jason Isaacs yeah. is the, the head scientist. The smartest man, man in the room. And the military man, he says, hey, let's just nuke the thing. And Jason Keith Isaacs is like, no, you can, if you shoot it at it, it's not going to do anything on the surface. It's not going to push it out of the way or whatever. Right. Like, you got to get in there. you got to blow it up. And I love how quickly... Billy Bob Thornton goes to, we got to get the best drillers in the world. Like, <laughs> what? What? Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just sense. started spitballing nonsense. Then right away you said, we're going to get the best drillers in the world. No, I, no one's going to fight me on this? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I like how they went immediately from like, that's a terrible idea to, yep, that's the one. There's just no like, does anybody else have any other ideas? Just, okay, we're going to drill a hole and blow it up from the inside. And that's lunch. Union NASA workers. Stop talking. <laughs> Well, I like the whole metaphor he does with the the firecracker. If you just put it in your palm and it blows up, you're going to get burnt. But if you close your fist, you're going to lose your hand. Yeah, ask Jason Pierre-Paul. So, yeah. The best thing I got for that. It makes sense. Blew up his hand with a firecracker. Mm-hmm. You got to be a special level of stupid to do that. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> and that is the metaphor they're using for saving the entire world. That's right. <laughs> I have an idea. Oh, he's British. I'll have an idea. <laughs> if you put one on your hand, it's just going to bake an, it's going to make an ouchie. It's not going to hurt. If you Jason Pierre pull it. <laughs> That's what you want to do. <laughs> Can you imagine like Michael Bay goes back to George Lucas this thing up. <laughs> and he starts calling it a There Jason are certain Pierre things Paul. I always wanted to do in the movie. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, wow. 
NASA goes and finds Bruce Willis to train NASA astronauts for the drilling. You know, something that kind of makes sense. Well, they fly a helicopter out there and a very, very serious general's like, I need you to come with me. No questions asked. Like, how do you handle that? I, I, I ask questions. I'd be like, immediately like, what do you mean no questions asked? That's not how this works. Right, but then Steve Buscemi, Rockhound, <laughs> he says, I didn't know how old she was. I like, didn't know how old she was. stop it for a second. Steve Buscemi might be a pedophile. Stop it for a second. <laughs> Bruce Willis brings Liv Tyler with him to keep her away from Ben Affleck, as you do. As you do. And this is right after Bruce Willis fires AJ. Right. Ben Affleck, after they just struck oil, but he dug against like the wishes of Yeah, hot Bruce. shot. Right. Hot shot oil him. guy. They're all covered in oil. It's fine. It's fine, but he's fired. It's He's fired. Right. He's fired, and that's, he no longer works there. Correct. He says, yeah, you can do that shit whenever you're on your own oil rig. Fine. Fine. We'll get there. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton informs Bruce Willis of the dire situation and introduces him to the astronauts who will be carrying out the mission. Bruce Willis is not impressed. He, I don't know why. He's just like, these guys? You expect these guys to be able to drill? <laughs> I mean, what is he expecting? These are like people who are much smarter oh, yeah. than just about everyone Bruce Willis knows. Yeah. I like how Bruce looks at these guys. He's like, these fucking jabronis, they can't smell what any rock's cooking. You want to send them up to that? No. Uh, no. These astrophysicists probably can't even operate a DeWalt. Now, listen, science man, a DeWalt is a brand <laughs> of drill, you fucking nerds. So Bruce Willis asks, he's like, is the only job going to be to drill the hole and drop the bomb? And Billy Bob Thornton's like, yeah, that's the whole gig, Dr- just drilling. No spacewalks or other astronaut duties will be involved. So Bruce Willis is like, all right. I, I like br- how Billy Bob's like selling him without selling him at right. all. Exactly. It's the definition of I'm picking up what you're putting down. And Bruce Willis is like, all right, well, I'm going to want to bring in my own team then because I don't trust these scientists. And Billy Bob Thornton's reaction here should have been, what? You want to- Wait, what, what? Were we talking the same thing here? <laughs> <laughs> you want to do what now, huh? Like, more training? Like, you want to bring in more trainers. No, no, no. I want to bring my oil rig crew up to space. Well, it's because they showed Bruce Willis a drill. A big old drill. And he yeah. goes, well, that looks familiar. It's mine. Did you steal my patent? Is that the reason I'm here? And the answer is yes all yes. around. NASA's like, yes, we did. <laughs> but also. But then Bruce is like, I bet you don't even know. You're blowing transmissions. You don't know why. And Jason Sides like, that's exactly what's happening. It's like, yeah. Even the worst mechanic knows why you're blowing a transmission. <laughs> I love that in the, in the Criterion uh, commentary, Ben Affleck's like, you're telling me these rocket scientists can't figure out a transmission? <laughs> So good. So where does the jet propulsion happen in this V6? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) They basically treat these scientists like the only space they've ever done is like Kerbal Space Program. (laughs) It blows my mind. Yeah. It's, hey, these these are the guys. And, oh, I don't like them. (laughs) I don't like the cut of their jib. I know some guys with some great jibs. We're going to bring them in. Let's go. Let me get the phone book out. We're going to call all the good jibs. NASA agents then collect all of Bruce Willis's crew spread across the country, despite having all been on the same oil rig, presumably yesterday. Right. And they're all riding horses away from the army and driving motorcycles yep. away from the army and playing craps at a table away from the away army. Away from the <laughs> army. Because, yeah. 
But you get Bear, played by Michael Clark Duncan. Michael fucking Clark fucking Duncan. He's amazing in oh, this movie. so good. You get Max, played by Ken Hudson Campbell. Also amazing in this movie. So good. He's like the silent MVP of this entire movie. He is. I agree. He's getting a tattoo for his mom and he eating a is. donut. when the Living life. NASA people terms. show up. He's amazing. Rockhound, played by Steve Buscemi. Might be a pedophile. He might be. He's hitting up a, a girl at a bar, looking mm-hmm. at her her ring. her ring, and he's like, oh, it's fake. <laughs> I like how her reaction is like, oh. Uh-huh. He's like, so what are you doing later? Oscar Choice, which is a choice for a name. Yep. Played by Owen fucking Wilson. I always forget he's in this movie. I do, too. Every single time. Every time he comes to the screen, I'm like, oh, wow. I love how, in the commentary, Michael Bay's like, yeah, then I discovered Owen Wilson from Bottle Rocket. Like, that doesn't mean you discovered <laughs> that's, him. That's not discovering him. That's just seeing a I movie. I think you're doing it wrong, or you don't know how to use that term yeah, properly. I don't think you know what that word means. I would say Wes Anderson discovered Owen Wilson right. in his film Bottle Rocket. Yeah, but then I rediscovered him in Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Where he like, has such a big part. Jim Henson at the end of the Muppet movie. After Orson Welles. Oh, oh my like, God. Well, guys, you have to use my puppets because I discovered Orson Welles <laughs> from Citizen Kane. I love it. Chick Chapel, played by Will fucking Patton. Give him a few more fuckings. Oh, my God. He, he is next level good in this. Insanely good in this movie. He's insanely good in everything he does. Yeah. Like, remember the Titans? I think he is something special. Oh, that. absolutely. He goes toe-to-toe with Denzel, and Denzel is on another level And that Denzel movie. is Denzeling all over the place in that movie. Right. And, of course, the last pickup, Ben Affleck, who is already in control of his own oil rig. <laughs> Now, here's my question. <laughs> it's been a day, I think. It's been two days. Oh, okay. We have 16 days left. It took him two days to come up with drilling and getting Bruce Willis. <laughs> and all of a sudden, AJ has his own oil rig, and it has a painted sign that says, AJ Frost, president, aimed at not the entrance to where he is. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's only camera appropriate the way it's aiming. And I like how Bruce Willis approached him. He's like, oh, you got your own place now. He's like, yeah. He said I would be a boss one day, and here I am. Got my own rig. Everything's pumping. <laughs> it's like, how did you establish this this quickly? I'm pretty sure there's a waiting period for an LLC, first of all. Right? But this guy's already got a full oh my oil God. rig. He's got ambition. Can't take that from him. You can't do that. And nobody shoots him at his new job. That's a good point. <laughs> Unless he gets real depressed. Then the boss might shoot him. Oh, boy. Yeah. Dark. It is dark. So Bruce Willis and NASA explain the situation to the men, and they all agree that they're in, some more reluctantly than others. They do provide NASA with a list of their demands, things like staying in the Lincoln bedroom for the summer, erasing a bunch of parking tickets, bringing back eight treks, finding out who really killed Kennedy. They're not going to get that one. They're never going to get that one. Which is a thing that actually... Michael Bay keeps going back to, because in The Rock that he did before this, right. that's the whole ending. Yeah. I forgot about that. Interesting. Michael, Michael Bay, Bay really wants to know who killed Kennedy. Really wants to know. Oh, and one last thing. They don't want to ever pay taxes again. Ever. Ever. I get it. I do, too. That was in every trailer. It sure was. <laughs> Man, that line got me super psyched to see this movie. And I wasn't even paying taxes yet. No, it's true. It's like, but I was like, <laughs> man, I hear they suck. The Beatles sang a song called Taxman, and it sounds terrible. <laughs> the team is immediately put through a 12-day training program and meet their mission commanders. Colonel Willie Sharp, U.S. Air Force, played by William Fitchner. William fucking Fitchner. Yeah. Everybody in this movie's great. Yep. And NASA pilot Jennifer Watts, played by Jessica fucking Steen. 
The, Does she get it? I've never heard of her. She's in a couple scenes in this movie. Okay. And she's believable. <laughs> well, she a, gets called hot at one point, too. That's true. So that's problematic. It's, we'll get there. We will definitely get there. They're going to command the X-71 Space Shuttle Freedom, while Colonel Davis, U.S. Air Force, played by Marshall Teague, and NASA pilot Tucker, played by Anthony Gudera, will command the Independence. Cool. So now we've got more people. They're all NASA people. There's so many people in this And they're movie. here. Yep. Naturally, you're going to have a training montage with the zero gravity training in the NASA pool and the giant vacuum room, as well as some medical assessments by very aggressive doctors and psychological assessments in a weird spiky room. Let's talk about all of this. The collective yeah. NASA. NASA. They filmed at fucking NASA. At NASA. Like, this is real NASA. Insane. It sounded like they were only supposed to do a little bit at NASA, and Michael Bay and the rest of the crew kind of like got in so deep with them and developed so much trust with them yeah. that NASA let them kind of go to town. Exactly. Which is insane. It's wild. It's just like getting buddy-buddy with NASA so they let me shoot more. The pool that they train in is one of the deepest and largest pools in the world. Yeah. You have that insanely large door that closes the vacuum chamber that is just so intimidating to look at. It's huge. It's like you can't fake that stuff. Exactly. And it looks so good. It looks and it's because insane. It's real. Exactly. It's NASA. How do you pull that off? And Michael Bay said that they sexed up a lot of the kind of control room stuff because the control room he couldn't believe that they use still right. is so archaic at this point. So they kind of made it look more futuristic. The one that you see there, that's not NASA. That's a set. No. Yeah, that is Which that's... is fine. I mean, honestly, if you want this to have any credibility, you have to kind of sex up the right. control room. Otherwise, you'd be like, how? No, this doesn't make sense. Right, right. Except they do show the real control room later in the movie, they but do. we'll get there. Owen Wilson. I just cannot believe, as a former locations person, yeah. how the fuck did they film at NASA? That's wild. It's so difficult to film in an airport, flat out, because I get that this is pre-9-11. Yeah. I get that. But even going into an airport now filming, you have to go through so much security with every single piece of equipment that you have. It has to get scanned. has to get rescanned. Uh, it has to be on your persons at all time. Wow. They filmed a fucking NASA. NASA. Well, you know, uh, I guess less of a terrorist threat going to the moon. They looked at Michael Bay went, <laughs> you're probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're the least threatening person I've ever seen. Come on in. Shoot some stuff. That's your real hair, huh? All right, come on in. <laughs> this hippie, what is he going to do? These scenes with the doctors and the psychologists, almost everything here is improv. <laughs> yeah. And it's so much fun. It's like the last little bit of fun we get to have before things get real. Yeah, and I mean, the psychologist room is insane, oh, first of all. The spikes? The spikes are everywhere. <laughs> that room does not exist anywhere no. on this earth or anywhere else. No. It does not. And no. Michael Bay's like, I just had a, a vision. I just needed I the spikes. And I like how he <laughs> he admitted to throwing a hissy fit in order to get his wife on this. Yep. And it's like, I've been on sets, man. I get it. I've seen it happen. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make your creative vision come true. Right. Also, Steve Buscemi might be a genius pedophile. He is a genius. Because <laughs> so. we establish it officially in this scene where he does the Rubik's Cube. He's just like, yeah, easy. What else you got for me? And then he lists all the things he's done. Which is impressive. It is. He's talking about, you know, graduating from places. I'm so happy we established ages. this character, and now we need to reestablish this character. <laughs> <laughs> I have an actual trivia fact for you from, is it from my Liv MGB. Tyler's quote about why they call him Rockhound, and she just says, 
because he's horny. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the character that's that we know. That's supposed to make sense, yeah. Give me your stupid fact. During the training of the mission team, an Aerosmith song, Sweet Emotion, is playing in the background with vocals by Liv Tyler's father, Steven Tyler, who also sings the theme song, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. The two Tylers appear in the Armageddon music video. Beautiful. Perfect. Great. Can I get on with my life? Yeah, let's, let's Thank move you. on. Thank you. The crew is introduced to a massive tank-like drilling rig called the Armadillo, one of which will be carried on each shuttle, and the crew proceeds to outfit the Armadillos with the proper drilling equipment. They're just pulling stuff out of it. You never really see them put anything in it. No, they just start taking things out of they it. They just gut it. Also, the Armadillo is real. Yeah. They designed this thing. They built this thing. It costs a million dollars. Wow. This is one one-fortieth of the budget for this movie. <laughs> That's insane. It apparently ran. It can go up to 35 miles per hour. And they made scale models that still cost upwards of 150 grand. Because there are, I think they said, four models of this thing of yeah. varying size. And one of them is is in Michael Bay's office. Don't tell Disney, Don't as tell he Disney. says. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis manages to convince Billy Bob to let the team have the last day off before the launch so they can have their last hurrah or see their families or whatever it is they need Seems to remind dangerous them. dangerous for these degenerates. I to, agree. To leave. But Bruce Willis argues that you want to give them one last reminder of what they're trying to save. I don't want to go into a car the day after I go out drinking. <laughs> Nonetheless, a rocket ship. A rocket ship, yeah. <laughs> to save the world. That's fair. <laughs> Chick goes and visits his estranged wife and son, telling her he's about to do something real big. Maybe she'll be proud of him. And he leaves a toy space shuttle for his son who doesn't even know who he is. Fucking beautiful scene, man. Beautiful. I like how the mom's just like, it's a salesman. Yep. And he's Simple like, all right. And she says, like, you can't be here. And he's like, I, I, know. I know. I know. I'm just She's trying like, to. The court paperwork says you can't. That I can't tell you about. He could have gotten some like weird astronaut sex that night if he wanted to. Probably could have. But then she would be like, this doesn't seem real. Because. Yeah, ah, I feel like you're she, a driller. She wouldn't and have that doesn't it. make sense. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I'm an astronaut now. And she'd be like, yeah, leave. I told you to leave. <laughs> You're saying they're sending drillers to save the world because there's an asteroid about to hit the Earth that we haven't heard about? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come I, on. I believe Your that, Your dick chick. can't be that dry there, chick. Okay? <laughs> What's amazing about that is also my favorite part of the entire commentary. Ben Affleck apparently told Michael Bay, that it seemed like a pretty big stretch that NASA would train <laughs> drillers to go up to space and just training astronauts to drill. To which Michael Bay told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's perfect. I love it. I love it so much. Steve Buscemi is going to go and visit a loan shark and borrow $100,000. And then he and Max go to the strip club and get in a fight because they're hogging all the women. And then they get arrested. As you do. As you do. You fight in a public place. Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler are going to go watch a sunset. Oh, boy. Okay. And, and then Ben Affleck stuffs a gazelle into her pants while her real-life father serenades them. So let's hit the brakes. Yeah. Let's slam on the brakes. Let's slam the brakes here. This is the scene that me and you joke about the most. Frequently. <laughs> because it is Ben Affleck. Yep. Walking an animal cracker. Which up he, and down Liv Tyler's stomach. He says it doesn't really qualify as a cracker because you don't eat it with cheese. And, and that's the sweet. one thing I want to talk about. <laughs> That I never noticed before. His direct quotes <laughs> is, I really don't think that the animal cracker qualifies as a cracker. To which Grace, for whatever reason, 
She sucked in. Asked, Please. Why? Tell me more. <laughs> I need to know more. <laughs> he says, well, because it's sweet, which to me suggests cookie. I mean, well, putting cheese on something is sort of a defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. Is it? Is that true? Is it? Is a, is a burger a cracker all of a sudden? Well, I don't think he's saying everything you put cheese on is a cracker. I mean, well, putting cheese on something is sort of a defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds like Ben Affleck doesn't know what crackers are. I want to go to Philly, get one of those sweet Philly crackers. Che- cheese crackers. <laughs> <laughs> steak cracker. Cracker steak. And what's crazier is I looked up, put the cheese on the cracker. Yeah. And Urban Dictionary had something to say about it. Oh, no. It is a slang term for jizzing on a white person. Well, there you go. So realistically, it's not too far removed from a limp biscuit. <laughs> it's really not. I guess well well done, Ben Affleck. But also there's apparently a saying, to put the cheese on the cracker, apparently means to put the facts together and interpret them correctly. Oh. To which Ben Affleck has not done that. He has not. In explaining a cracker. I will say, animal cracker is more of a cookie. I agree completely. I'm with him on that. I'm, I am too, but then he went farther with his train of thought, and that's where he went wrong. The question is, where does a graham cracker fall? A graham cracker has sweetness, though, because usually it has like the honey right. with it. So I would say it's kind of the cookie family also. I, I agree. It's a more crackery cookie. I completely agree. It's a cracky. Is that really <laughs> how you want to go with this? Yep. <laughs> yep. I could have gone a crooker, but no, I think it's a cracky. I also love in this scene how Michael Bay points out that the BMW is very out of character yep. for AJ, yep. but he said, fuck it, I want to have this car in the movie. They, it wasn't even that. It was just they paid me to put this car in the movie. It made, made uh-huh. it cheaper to do something else. Exactly. But I think the real question is, do you think they knew that Liv Tyler's father was going to be the one singing the song <laughs> over her getting an animal cracker Walked into her safari. <laughs> Getting a gazelle stuffed in her pants? <laughs> uh, no. And I know for a fact that they did not know this. Because they did not have Aerosmith record that song until like a month before the movie went out. Which to me is insane. It's absolutely insane. Because it is an iconic song. Yeah. They found out that Godzilla was getting a full soundtrack and they were like, well, what the hell? Why aren't we getting one? And then they put together a full soundtrack and they had this song and they're like, all right, well, let's have Aerosmith record it. I like how they felt like guilty because of Godzilla, of all things. <laughs> like they had to have known Godzilla had bombed at that point. The soundtrack does kick ass. I think that's what they were saying is, oh, this movie that sucked had an awesome soundtrack. Puff Daddy? Why didn't we get anything? Nay, I will one up you <laughs> with this poor girl's father. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we. We probably have Steven Tyler's contact information, right? Because Liv was in the movie. Why don't we just get Aerosmith in here? We'll show him some parts of the movie. Hey, Liv! Liv, sweetheart! <laughs> Can you pull the animal cracker out of your hula and call your daddy? Because <laughs> Godzilla got Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page. <laughs> they ended up doing all right. Ben, stop, stop doing ad-lib Australian accents about safaris. <laughs> and let Liv call her daddy. I worked with Liv Tyler. Yeah? On The Leftover. She's a sweetheart. I believe it. It sounded like she kind of tried to big league them on this movie, though. Which is weird. Which is crazy, because why? How? Who are you at this point? <laughs> yeah, she's like one movie before this, I think. Yeah. I guess she was in demand. I mean, she's not far off from doing Lord of the Rings. Right. 
And I'd say that's like her huge movie that she did. Yeah. But if she's big leaguing, I mean. Well, I guess she turned down the role like twice before she found out that like Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and Billy Bob Thornton were on it. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, Michael Bay, who just on The Rock with everybody. Yeah. He's going to get good actors. Yeah. So Even before that, when he did Bad Boys. Right. He had an all-star cast. Go figure. Unbelievable. Liv Tyler. She's like, ah, you need to convince me. I'm. Uh, do you know who I am? Do you know who my dad is? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the size of that mouth. Don't make me call my grandma. I mean, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're engaged. That they. That's the thing they did. They got engaged so. at a point. She never said yes. Very important to note that. I, I feel like right. Michael Bay doesn't worry about girls saying yes, though. It doesn't seem kind of like why, she really yeah. had any other option. Because he just ben put the Affleck ring on the finger like, and just said, mine? <laughs> and she was like, well, I'm going to be in the scene. One note's weird also. What? Then I kissed your eyes, and thank God we're together. Yep, that is weird. You're doing it wrong. You kiss my eyes. <laughs> now listen, Liv, me and your mother, this was our foreplay, and I described <laughs> it in song. <laughs> about kissing eyes and watching her sleep. Well, the whole song is about him not wanting to go to sleep because he'd miss her. So I assume that she's already asleep. She's very asleep, and he's just watching Yeah, the so whole time. That's how he kisses her eyes. <laughs> they're closed i guess i don't it's a weird I've song i've never really thought that hard about what was happening lyrics in the are important context of the song but yeah he's just watching somebody sleep huh the whole time <laughs> yeah 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 and that song always ends in divorce let's never forget right important to note that song always ends in divorce because it's a father serenading his daughter <laughs> while she's getting a gazelle stuffed in her pants exactly <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton is going to confide in Bruce Willis that he'd love to be one of the crew going up there, but he's got a leg brace. And while NASA's pretty flimsy <laughs> with the rules about drillers going up there, if you have any kind of metal on your leg, you're you're out of out of luck. Billy Bob Thornton would not take this role unless he could do a leg brace, which was just really sure. It's appropriate because the brace we only see on the foot, and this thing is shoehorned in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll give you one shot in the movie of you having some sort of <laughs> issue that makes it so you can't be in space. Right. A meteorite strikes Shanghai, destroying the city and causing a tsunami, which makes the incoming asteroid and pending mission revealed to the world, apparently. They're just like, all right, well, Shanghai's Not the New York fucked. thing that I, just I, happened. Right. But the Shanghai thing that just happened now. People were like, wait a minute, meteors landing in New York... I mean, that's just New York, but Shanghai a week later? It's basically just basketball-sized meteors hitting New York. People are like, what are the Knicks playing? And in Shanghai, now that they're all destroying Shanghai, they're like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> the president of the United States makes a speech while our working-class heroes stride in slow motion toward their destiny. The right stuff moment, man. It is the right stuff moment. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I think even Ben Affleck goes, here it comes, the right stuff moment. You ready? <laughs> he like prepared the audience watching the commentary for it. It yep. was wonderful. It was absolutely delightful. They're going to split the crew into two teams, Bruce Willis and his team, which is Chick, Steve Buscemi, and Max on the Freedom, and Ben Affleck and his team of Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, and Noonan, who's a character in this movie, Yep, on the Independent. I always forget Noonan's a character in this movie because they just kind of- Yep. 
put a leg brace on him as a character. He's he's an also he's there. shoehorned in also. Hey, 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 hey. I don't get it. Every time I see that guy, I'm like, who's this guy again? Who the hell are you? Oh, Noonan, right. Both crews are joined by a handful of NASA personnel as well. All you don't fly the thing. Names I said right. earlier. Right. And then the freedom and the independence are launched. We're going to space. We are. And I really do want to go back to the president giving a speech. Because he says, like, it's not about America, it's not about whatever. It's about humanity. Right. I love how global Michael Bay makes this whole movie feel. He did. And it's because he went around the globe. He's filming actual people to do this. Yeah. And it's extremely effective. If you've got the money, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It works. It It works really, really well. Yeah. It really does. And I don't want to pass over the part also when when they're getting on the ships, how we get to see Chick's kid watching TV, watching the whole astronauts coming on board. And he goes, oh, that salesman's on TV. And the mother just, just... Niagara falls in front of that TV. Yeah. Because she says, if he comes back, oh, boy. (laughs) Sweetheart, we got to go to the grocery store and get some animal crackers. (laughs) Is my dad around? I need him to sing. (laughs) Hi, Dad. Can you write a song in the next 18 hours? That would be great. I've got plans for tomorrow, hopefully. Put it on a cassette tape and send it over. Your baby's feeling horny. Oh, God. She also tells her kid, that's no salesman. That's your dad. Which I love. It's great. Because she recognizes. She's like, this is important. It is important. He wasn't bullshitting me yesterday when he was here. Even though she could have said, it's the hot bald one, who's not quite bald yet. It's his 12th last movie. <laughs> so, yeah, in 12 more time. movies. He looks great, though. Yeah. Tough and rugged. Or it could be the one with the big teeth. Rough and tugged. I don't know I either. Don't, what? You pick whichever one you want to be your daddy. Whoever comes back will say is your daddy. Fine. <laughs> who's your daddy? <laughs> I don't know yet. Give it a few days. See who survives. The ship's first stop is the Russian space station to refuel with liquid oxygen propellant. I'm happy you didn't call it the mirror. It's not the mirror. They had to make a point of saying, we cannot call it the mirror because the mirror is in very bad shape and it may actually go down. <laughs> and that would look really bad. Sure would. The mirror, they would take down the mirror, like what, two years later? Something Three like years that. later? Ben Affleck is going to encounter a problem stopping the pumps while filling the ship's tanks while on the space station. And the crews are forced to quickly evacuate back to their shuttles and flee as the station explodes in a giant Michael Bay fireball. As you do Both? in a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, I He's mean. He's the king of the tunnel fireball. Absolutely. Both crews narrowly escape, adding Peter fucking Stormare, the space station's lone cosmonaut, to their ranks. I couldn't be happier. I love him so much. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. He's doing a Russian accent. Yeah. And oh boy, is it good. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I love, in typical Michael Bay fashion, it's manufactured drama. Oh, of course. Because he said he wanted to set up that we may kill someone. We might do They it. didn't, but we may. Oh. You don't know. You don't know. But now you do know. You know that he won't. That's what he says. He's like, yep, I make everybody survive. So you're like, everybody's safe. Cool. He's not going to kill any characters. Ever, probably. I've worked with a lot of bigger directors than Michael Bay. Yeah. They would say that's Nonsense, what he's saying. (laughs) Sounds like nonsense. (laughs) He's right in the way he is thinking about it. Because, yeah, if you establish earlier on 
that you won't kill these characters. You get the audience feeling comfortable. Right. But this is a Michael Bay film. Yeah. About them going into space where something goes wrong every other second. Yeah. You are expecting people to die. You are. For 100% you're expecting people to die. I don't feel comfortable as an audience member at this point. No, I'm not like comforted. No. There's no part of me that's going, oh, good. He's not going to kill anybody. Especially when the NASA man says we're sending two uh, shuttles up as a redundancy just in case something goes wrong. Yep. Just in case. You know, just in case. I'm not trying to tell any tales out of school about what might happen in the future. Well, that's apparently a real thing that NASA does, though. So, Which blows I my mind. I get that. Well, that's because even in real life, NASA's super heavy-handed about how many astronauts die. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> Can we quickly go back? I can't believe we're going to go back. Let's... Of what we got there. With the, uh, the launch, the shuttle launch? Yeah. When these things launch... Those shuttles are too close. They are super close together. They're like next to each other. I'm not going to light a giant fire of right a rocket next to, next to a giant fire uh, potential yeah. fire of a rocket. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, and I know that's not safe. Right, but apparently I'm not a scientist because that's what they did. They were real shuttles. They were real shuttles. Michael Bay got to film this scene twice because they did a daylight shoot, mm-hmm. and he said, this looks good, but I hear you do night stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> and they let him film rocket launch at night, and it's so fucking effective. It's so cool, the way that the rocket just lights up the entire screen. And- it's real. Oh. It's completely real. Love it. They had the actors walking on the gantries. The real gantries. And Ben Affleck even slid <laughs> onto the space shuttle Columbia, to which NASA said, no, stop. Don't come any fucking farther, Ben Affleck. Get your fake teeth out of here. Yeah. We'll give you animal crackers if you go away. <laughs> this stuff's all real. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing. The stuff that you see, I know we're in space, I know we're going back. The stuff that you see when they're walking underneath the space shuttle that shuttle's going into space. That's you know, a real space After they shot this thing. Yeah. It's all real. How? How did Michael Bay pull this off? Oh, he's a smooth it's a talker. a magic trick of filmmaking. Yeah. Of like- That's an understatement, The I studio, think. like the, the production end yeah. of filmmaking that you shouldn't ever have to think about that right. I am eternally stuck thinking about. <laughs> it blows my mind. It's wild. And it's amazing to me the amount of people that can't appreciate that because they don't have the knowledge to know how just insane it is that they got access to all this stuff. The fact that somebody at NASA had to sign a film waiver for these <laughs> locations. I've gone to people's homes where I'm nervous to get them to sign a film waiver to use their kitchen. Wow. This is NASA. NASA. I guess if you got it, you got it. Somebody ran the numbers of everything that you saw in this movie that they filmed around, like all the technology, all the space stuff. Yeah. Pretty much, let's just call it the production value of everything at NASA, $19 billion. I believe that also includes the $400 million oil rig. That's correct. Because <laughs> the oil rig- <laughs> Was also real. Was also real. <laughs> Unbelievable. Whoever that location manager is, deserves to get jerked off once a day by not themselves. <laughs> Because this is a magic trick. It really is. It's unreal. Uh, yeah. Back to space. Back to space. space. A few hours after they've escaped the, the Russian space station explosion, the two shuttles are about to perform a high G-force powered slingshot procedure around the moon. <laughs> I want to talk about this slingshot. <laughs> because it's one of my favorite scenes in the planning 
of this thing because yeah. they come up with the plan for the slingshot, or at least they show the plan of the slingshot right. with like five days to go. Like 13 days pass between them discovering the asteroid and Billy Bob Thornton playing with two space shuttle toys. Yep. And he's, he immediately says, now don't laugh, guys. I know this isn't it's not the scale. scale. I get it. Doc Brown stuff. I get it. This is nuts that nobody's discussed the plan outright until this point. It is insane. And that doesn't yet. make any sense, especially because the plan is that simple of we're going to slingshot around the moon and then land on the asteroid. Okay, break. Ready, go. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I mean, maybe they were just telling the crew it for the first time. I don't know. It seems like a thing that you want to keep from the crew. The people who are going to execute this. Well, no, I don't mean like the flight crew. I just mean the drillers. They don't need to know. Why do they care? Exactly. But that's who they're telling in that scene. So Fair enough, then. <laughs> ben Affleck makes a good point about slingshotting. We're just supposed to assume that that, that works? You just slingshot <laughs> around the moon and you pick up speed? Yeah? All right. Fair enough. Got it. But they do. They power They power through the slingshot, and they're traveling at 22,500 miles an hour. It's crazy. They get to 10G. That's wild. Which, uh, first of all, I can't believe I'm going to go back again. <laughs> Time doesn't matter in this movie. No. Because they get from launch to the Russian space station in a cut. Right. It's nothing. The space station blows up. Now they're at the moon in a cut. Yep. Like, that should be two days two later. Two days, yeah. But now they're going around in a slingshot at 10G. And the part that blew my mind was the science behind it. How Michael Bay said, in the commentary again, <laughs> on Earth, you wouldn't even know it because you'd pass out. Right. In space, though, because there's no gravity, you wouldn't pass out. You're awake for it. That's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. I have issues on Star Tours. <laughs> and these guys are doing this at 10G. It's wild. It is wild. It's uh, taxing on the body, and I'm surprised some of these guys made it. I like how Bill Fichter's just like, suck it up. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> and I like how nobody's marveling that you're going around the moon at this point. Right. They're just like, what? Nobody's been to the moon in like 20 plus years at this point, <laughs> and you just casually circle the moon. Yeah, we're just going to slingshot around it, you know? Uh, shake and bake. <laughs> All these space shuttles are flying way too close to each other. It annoys me so they're much. They're so the close time. to get, especially in these scenes. It's like they're almost hitting each other. Uh, NASA, quick question from the press. Uh, AP, <laughs> this is Dave. Uh, why are you flying them so close together when you're worried about redundancies to spread them out? Uh, well, that answer is simple because you got to shake it before you bake it. Right. You need to That's the way NASA lives life. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last. Break it, Frenchie. <laughs> Uh, it's called drafting. <laughs> Get the speed a lot faster if you have the the aerodynamics of two cars in a pack. Exactly, so just one. So that must work in the vacuum of space as well. Exactly. So AP, fuck off, maybe. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Fox News. Let's hit, let's get the real hard hitting question. <laughs> Is the moon made of cheese? I feel like at that point they'd pull in Will Ferrell to do his Harry Carey impression to answer that. <laughs> If the moon were made of cheese, would you eat it? <laughs> That's what Jeff Goldblum. Brilliant. Yeah. Full circle. Somehow. We slingshot a joke. <laughs> all the way around the moon. <laughs> so they're coming up behind the asteroid, and they're in the asteroid's wake. There's just debris flying everywhere. And of course, the independence is struck by debris, and its thrusters are, are 
damaged profoundly. I don't know how this wake works. I don't either. There's Is this asteroid shooting smaller asteroids? I do not understand. I think they're just kind of falling off of it. And, you know, because gravity, what? Nope. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. And these space shuttles are navigating it like they're Top Gun. Like, no problem. Yep. It just, that's, sometimes that's how you got to fly a space shuttle. It looks cool. It does. Until you think about it for a second. That's something you shouldn't do with this movie. You're right. <laughs> and I apologize mostly to Michael Bay. I thought about your movie. Yeah, don't. That's on me. Have you seen Transformers? I have. Don't think about it. <laughs> Just let it wash over you. Oh, man. So the independence is hit. It's going down. And Colonel Davis tells Ben Affleck and his whole crew to put on their oxygen masks and lock themselves in the cargo bay with the armadillo. Right. He doesn't do anything that he said that he probably should do also. Right. He should probably also do this, but he doesn't. Uh, and... A huge piece of debris smashes out the cockpit windows, and Colonel Davis and Pilot Tucker get sucked out into space yep. without helmets on, and that's always a bad it's thing. It's bad. It's not what you want. I mean, like, definitely not on your to-do list if you're going into space, is to die in space. I mean, if you go into space, you definitely want to live. Right. Like, don't don't open the windows. Don't try to get some air. <laughs> I'm just real cooped up in here. But the just... sun is just shining, man. No clouds in the sky. It's gorgeous out. <laughs> just trying to live. This movie makes me want to watch 2001 again every single time. I've never seen it. And I literally just watched 2001 before watching Armageddon because I knew I needed to balance myself. Uh, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> I fucking love 2001. Someday. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe someday soon. How soon? I'm torn between two movies to pick for next month. Yeah. I know it's my pick. It sure is. It might be one of them. Oh, it might be one of them. I don't know if I could do two space movies in a row. Hey, <laughs> dig your own grave sometimes, not in space. Because right. you want to live. Right. Digging's hard anyway, without the gravity. <laughs> <That's me learned. laughs> I do the best diggers in the world. <laughs> they rank them. <laughs> All right, Ben Affleck. <laughs> so behind Independence is the Freedom Shuttle, and Colonel Sharp is like, uh-oh, they're all dead. So he radios to he Houston. He calls it a dead stick. Yeah. That's no way to break it to somebody that half your mission right? has failed. Bruce Willis is like, hey, hey, independence is a dead stick. <laughs> Bruce Willis is like, what happened over there? And then a body hits the windshield. How appropriate. <laughs> Again, in the large vacuum that is space, <laughs> that is infinity. Right. The body hits the windshield. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because they were falling so close. Give them a little space. Bodies aren't going to hit windshields. Let the bodies hit the windshield. That's what they say <laughs> when they drown in pools. They they sure do. The entire crew is presumed dead, and Billy Bob is bummed, and Liv Tyler is even more bummed. Right. On account of a dead Ben Affleck. Right. She's still got her dad. She's still got her dad. But so. her daddy never sang a song about her and her dad. Exactly. So it's just really her uncomfortable. Her dad sang a song about her and Ben Affleck. Right. <laughs> and in 12 movies, he's going to be bald. Can you imagine? I know that Jimmy Kimmel had the famous rift with Matt Damon. Yeah. Of like, oh, bumping Matt Damon. It's kind of where the whole Catwoman joke came from. Right. That we used to do. Very similar joke. It's the exact same joke. Well, one of them is Matt Damon, one of them is Catwoman. But then Sarah Silverman did the whole entire video of I'm fucking Matt Damon. Can you imagine if Steven Tyler did a I'm fucking Ben Affleck? (laughs) No. No. 
I can't. I know Jimmy Kimmel did that, and it was amazing. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been better if Steven Tyler did it? I don't know how to answer that question because <laughs> it's Steven Tyler. Yes, it would have been better. Fair enough. All right. Just wanted to check that I'm not insane. At the very least, way more interesting to hear about. Also fair enough. (laughs) We cut to the Independence crash landing on the asteroid, killing most of the crew, including Owen Wilson and Noonan. Noonan's gone. Oh, no. Gosh, we just started to get to know him. And Owen Wilson. We learned he had a name Noonan. Oh, wow. He's dead. Owen Wilson is good in this movie. He is. We shouldn't brush over that because- he does have a lot of really good lines, which we will probably talk about in the one-liners, because a lot come from him. That's true. I guess we'll get there. We'll get there. We're talking about how good Owen Wilson is. Ben Affleck, Peter Stormare, and Michael Clark Duncan are the only survivors. That's good. Yep. That's... The three characters we care about. One who we just picked up. <laughs> one who we just, hey, you, come with us. <laughs> We're pretty shitty if they killed them off immediately, wouldn't it? Yep. It's like, why did you just leave me in the space station? The Freedom lands on the surface, but misses its target landing zone by 28 miles. Not what we want to do. No, not at all. And also, I'm glad we established that Steve Buscemi's a genius. Genius After pedophile. being a pervert. Right. After that. Get, get it in order, his attributes. Pervert. Genius. Genius. The area they land on is made of iron, and that's not good for drilling. It's I very think. bad for drilling, yeah. in fact. Also, did not realize... An asteroid's going to have separate geographies. Oh, like yeah, sure. Geographic zones yeah. to itself. That makes sense. Like, I get that Texas is very large. I get it. <laughs> like, if you land in the Dallas part of it, it's a little more progressive. It's a little more liberal. Yeah. If you land in the San Antonio area of it, guns, they're everywhere. I've heard that Fort Worth is just iron. Fort Worth <laughs> is famously iron. So if you land there, you're going to have a hard time drilling. Exactly. They call Dallas the city of losers and Fort Worth the Iron City. It's perfect. That's what they say. Cowboys don't play in Fort Worth. (laughs) They play in Dallas for a reason, because they're fucking losers. Tell us how you really feel. No, I almost said they're better than Philly, and they're not. (laughs) They're not. I lived outside Dallas for a couple years. I I fucking love Dallas. Yeah. It's great. I lived outside Philly for a few years. I love Philly, so minus the Eagles fans. Eagles fans are terrible. Oh, God. They're the absolute worst. It's a unique group of people. I'm going to ask you this. Let's get a definitive answer here. Yeah. Washington is safe because they don't know a football team. They only have it by name, technically, at this point. <laughs> Asteroid. It's about to hit the, the Earth. Yeah. It's the size of, I don't know, a, a stadium size. So stadium it's going to take out a full city. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that big to take out a full city. We'll get there. <laughs> Where do you want the asteroid to hit? Dallas or Philly? Dallas. Oh, God damn it. I've All never right. been to Dallas. <laughs> so we're split then. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to miss anything nothing. in Dallas. No. no. I guess Omaha. Split, split the difference. The difference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the middle. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't know. Nashville. <laughs> no, that's too close to where my sister lives. That would. Well, she's going to have to duck because you just duck. You split the difference. Because we, we t- averaged it out, you know? Look what you did. Because you couldn't agree with me. Your sister's now in danger. Well, I mean, if you didn't hate Philly so much. If you didn't, nothing Dallas so yeah, much. I and just... in Scrubs terms, nothing is worse. <laughs> it's true. I don't hate you. I nothing you. <laughs> the Freedom Team gets to drilling, but they suffer several setbacks in the form of broken drill bits and blown transmissions due to the unexpected harsh terrain. I like how Max is trying, though. 
Yeah, Max is just in there in the armadillo, just giving and it Bruce his all. Bruce is doing everything he can. He's communicating to Max. It's great. It's good yeah. teamwork. It's very good teamwork. It's only three of them outside the ship, but that's fine. Ben Affleck, Peter Stormare, and Michael Clark Duncan board the armadillo because it somehow did not get damaged in the crash. One million dollars better not. Exactly. And Ben Affleck starts following the signal on the vehicle's tracking screen, which he just hopes leads them to the freedom. You might as well. You have nothing to lose. Nothing else to do, right. So they arrive at a giant space canyon, and they're forced to attempt an evil Knievel-like jump across the massive gorge by turning off the thrusters. I love how Ben Affleck asks, you ever heard of Evil Knievel? To which Peter Stormer says, no, I've never seen Star Wars. I love it. That is legit a phenomenal line. It's so good. <laughs> but yes, we should talk about gravity at some point. It's a really good workaround. It is. In this movie because the they establish that there's thrusters on the suits so that they are appearing like they're walking exactly with full gravity yeah. on this asteroid. They do it on the Russian space station too where they do a, a controlled roll. And Peter Stormer says, I'm feeling gravity. So they establish that. They can work faster in gravity, even though I've seen so many things about astronauts just pushing off me able to fly around right. willy-nilly. Just floating. So quickly. Gracefully. On the asteroid, they have thrusters. They can use that to keep them pinned down, quote-unquote, gravity. On the surface, yeah. They're going to drive this armadillo very quickly over the edge. Turn off the thruster. Therefore, there's no gravity. Let it coast. And let it go. How well is that going to work out? Well, it's a Michael Bay movie, so <laughs> naturally we're going to have an issue turning the thrusters back on and of returning course. to the surface. They're all of a sudden frozen. Amazing how quick that happens. Yep. Peter Stormare is a damn hero. He climbs out of the armadillo. He's the only astronaut. He says it. That's true. He does say that. He climbs out and he fixes the thruster while clinging to the outside of the vehicle as it crashes into all sorts of space debris. He lives. He makes it. Good for him. And they successfully land. Good for us, Peter Stormer. And they continue toward their signal that they're chasing, hoping, just praying. It's working out so far. So far, Keep so going. good. Problems are going to arise because they lose communication with well, Earth. I think you're saying problems are going to arise. Like, they haven't arisen already. Oh, they're going to keep arising the whole time. They can't talk to Earth. They can't talk to Earth. And that's a problem because of a thing called secondary protocol. Which is nuts to me. Yeah. They put a brace on a leg brace on the plot. <laughs> because this is sure They're like, hey, let's We can't talk to stuff. them anymore, so secondary protocol, blow it up. Yeah, I think that's the move. <laughs> hey, we're gonna we're gonna lose the ability to remote detonate this uh this bomb here. So just do it anyway? Just do let's, it anyway. Do you know it. the thing that the scientists said with the firecracker in the hand that wouldn't work? That wouldn't work? Like We've already definitely let's, established it let's do won't that. work. Let's we do should, that. We should do that? Bruce Willis's crew has only reached a depth of 57 feet after two hours of work, which is- They should be 200 feet down. Exactly. So they are behind. So I understand like the, the panic, because they don't think that the team's going to be able to do it. Right. And they're running out of their window to be able to detonate- the President of the United States orders the bomb to be detonated. <laughs> He's a fucking idiot. And, I like uh, how Michael Bay says, I hate filming presidents. I like that, too. Because he's like, you're never going to get it right. You have to be really careful to not yeah. make them too real to anything. Right. Which, it makes sense. Interestingly makes enough, sense. Stanley Anderson, who plays the, the president in this movie, same president from The Rock. Yes, he is. So It's an all-connected universe. There you go. There is a Stanley Goodspeed somewhere. Whoa. 
and he's a Beatlemaniac. <laughs> Never forget. How could I? That he's established How as a I? Beatlemaniac. I'm a Beatlemaniac. And then it never comes back. Ever. <laughs> no reason for him to say that. I love it. Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. Treat. So the bomb's timer starts counting down, and the guys in the asteroid are like, oh, Why is that what? doing that? Billy Bob buys him some time by having one of the NASA controllers kill the uplink for the detonator. So the countdown stops for a second, but then it's quickly taken over by a U.S. Air Force security official and reactivated. And Chick is like, hey, Bruce Willis? What's going on here? And Bruce Willis is like, uh, Colonel Sharp, you want to explain what's happening? So the colonel tells Bruce Willis about the secondary protocol. And Bruce Willis is like, that's bullshit. We well, gotta- it's because the colonel has like a card that says drill time. He's like, bud, right. they rank the drillers in the world. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm number one I'm ranked driller. You can't just, that's not how drilling works. You don't go off of times. You go off the feelings. You got to go from your gut, not from a laminated card. Doesn't work that way there, bud. I'm not going to call you Colonel, I'm going to call you bud. bud. He tells him, we got to drill the hole or everybody dies. He's right. And Sharp is like, it's literally not my call. That timer's counting down, so we need to leave. And Bruce Willis is like, I still have a Steve Buscemi outside. We can't leave. And Sharp is like, well, I have a gun. He has a gun, and it's in a safe. And Chick and is like, where he gets why the, do you have a gun? That's where he gets the secondary protocol like papers from it. It's just that and a gun. A it's gun. like, what the fuck is yeah, that? Secondary protocol is just shoot them if they don't let you fail the mission. <laughs> that is just ridiculous because this safe might as well be like, I'm Kurt Cobain. I'm real depressed. Let me go to my secondary protocol <laughs> oh, safe no. in my shed <laughs> in Seattle. Like, that's the level of thought that went into this. Like, all that's in there is just, I don't know, a pen and paper to write a note and a gun. Yeah. It's, like, uh, that's what you have this for. You don't have it to save the fucking world. <laughs> Here's a gun in case they give you any flack about getting off the planet right before we Like, what are you going to do? This... You going to shoot the guy? That's, uh, that's apparently the plan. That's insane. It's absolutely insane. Those bullets don't have thrusters. Oh, Who knows what's going to happen? It's true. <laughs> Obviously, Chick and Bruce Willis are going to overpower Sharp. And Bruce Willis convinces him. They use a giant wrench. Uh, don't say overpower. It's like the largest wrench in the world. It's a giant wrench. It's to the point that Bruce Willis does hit Sharp with this giant wrench. Yep. And then clamps his neck with it. Yep. And he has him now under full control. And he convinces him, hey, I'm going to drill 800 feet. No oh, matter what. I like how you what. say convince. Then you call it what you want. And Sharp's like, all right, let's turn this bomb off. <laughs> and he deactivates the bomb because now he trusts Bruce Willis because he almost strangled him. Right. Sharp joins Bruce Willis's men to help them attempt to finish the job. And with only 250 feet left to drill, it looks like they're going to make it. But then they hit a pocket of gas. And, uh-oh, the armadillo gets blasted off the asteroid. Along with Max. Kills Max. Yep. And Steve Buscemi's just like, bye, Max. I like how casual he is while he's going insane. He is losing his mind. He, Dr. Strange, loved the nuke. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Has he done that yet? I don't know, but he's <laughs> definitely going to do that either in the past or in the near future. He is absolutely going to, Dr. Strange, love the nuke. He just wanted to feel the power between his thighs. Which is pervy to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the crew report to Houston that the mission has failed after the armadillo gets blasted away. And worldwide panic ensues as humanity braces for the end of the world. You see everyone around the world just kind of going into their fallout shelters, just kind yeah, of praying, just like, coming to terms with their fate that's about to come. It's all over. 
And then a massive meteoroid hits Paris. Out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. Michael like, Bay said he wanted to pick an identifiable city. Yep. There it is. Paris. Paris is gone. It is obliterated. Everyone in Paris, every Parisian, dead. 100%. The Arc de Triomphe stayed up, though. So It's very strong. <laughs> Sacre bleu! If I have architecture, <laughs> I'm making a very strong arc. Even a meteorite will destroy it. Try me! Try me, Michael Bay! Absolutely nailed it. The Eiffel Tower, though, fell real fast. Real fast. Well, it's basically where the impact hit. Yeah. She's like, bam, right? They were aiming for They needed to keep some Tower. identifiable symbol to show that Paris is ruined by keeping something right. up. Right. They chose the arc. I like that the whole the whole purpose of choosing an identifiable city was just so they didn't have to put up a, a subtitle. A Perfect. Little, little location credit. Nope. Don't need to do that. Yeah, I spent so much money on my spiky room that I had to <laughs> throw a hissy fit for. We cannot afford that subtitle. So we need to go with a very identifiable city. Cheaper to blow up Paris or put in a subtitle. Not sure. <laughs> uh, little known fact. This is a... Dave movie database fact. Oh. Yeah, I can't believe I'm diving in here. They did not really blow up Paris. What? Yeah, this is all CGI. Oh, wow. I couldn't believe it either. That's fascinating. But there you go. All right. The more you know. The more I know. Defeated, the Freedom crew is trying to figure out what to do next, and Steve Buscemi is a particularly bad case of space dementia. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. I, I don't know either, but- that's exactly what he says. William Fitchner. Just space dementia. He's got space dementia. The genius who went mad. Steve Buscemi might be an insane genius pedophile. That's too many things at that point. And yet. With bad teeth. Dave, I do have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Me. Yeah, yeah. This close to my Dave movie database trivia fact on his drop? I didn't plan your Dave database movie tri- trivia fact. <laughs> Fair enough. Or whatever you called it. The DMDB? That makes sense. After Rockhound gets space dementia, the shuttle crew wraps him in duct tape, which is, in fact, NASA protocol for immobilizing a crazed crew member. How do they know that? How could they possibly know that? It's in the NASA handbook. Do they read the NASA handbook? I don't. I just read you everything I read. I don't know how they know it. Fair enough. But it's an actual IMDb trivia fact. Therefore, it has to be real. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but hey. It's on the internet. They have a plan. So. <laughs> NASA said, hey, if one of your crew members starts going crazy, wrap him up in duct tape. It seems easy enough. It's official. Suddenly, Bruce Willis spots a vehicle on a cliff above them. <laughs> it's the second armadillo. It's great timing. Conveniently never had to be in the same scene as the other armadillo, so they only had to build one. I've been saving this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's appropriate. Thank you. I thought I timed it out pretty well. <laughs> I'm sorry that the miniature wasn't the scale of my heavy handedness. <laughs> the people at NASA go wild. Liv Tyler is especially happy knowing that her fiance is weird dead. The weird guy who we've never met before at all at NASA is right? like, your boyfriend's back. He's like, well, that seems pretty fucking personal. <laughs> right? <He's> like, <laughs> can you imagine just turning to somebody and be like, hey, your boyfriend's back. <laughs> somebody who thought he was dead a few minutes ago. I just feel like that's not how you break the news. No. 
I could stay awake <laughs> just to see your zombie. Love it. I'm here for that version. Better movie? Different movie. I'm putting a question mark on that for a good reason. There's, it has potential. <laughs> ben Affleck's space zombie. I'd watch that just based on that. Ben Affleck. They got to get Jerry Bruckheimer on the phone. We got something here. <laughs> Cooking with space fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a thing. Space fire. Which Michael Bay is aware is not a thing. <laughs> As he yeah. says in his commentary. I know there's, I know no, there's fire no fire, in, fire space. in space. It's a movie. It's a movie. Calm the <laughs> fuck down. I appreciate Michael Bay. I do too. I thought that was brilliant. Uh-huh. Bruce Willis puts Ben Affleck in charge of finishing the drilling, and they successfully drill to the necessary depth. After you know, oh, you feel it that too. whole that whole thing where Ben Affleck once again he's like, "You gotta trust me, I'm gonna do the thing." And this time, Bruce Willis is like, "Yeah, do the thing, do the thing." He trusts do the thing. him now. Ben Stiller's, do it, do it, do it, <laughs> do it. Uh, it's a good moment. It is. I get pretty excited when he's counting down how close they are. And then yeah. they get there, you're like. God damn it, 800 you feet. Did it. We did it. Sweet. The team lowers the nuclear bomb into the hole, but then they get caught in a rock storm. Not what you want. Rock storms. How do they work? Texas is famous for them. Texas sized things, mostly, actually. The storm damages the remote on the bomb, rendering the remote detonation useless. Can't detonate it from Earth. Can't detonate it from the wherever you are. From the ship. You got to detonate it from the bomb. So with only 18 minutes left, Billy Bob informs the team. Someone's going to have to stay behind. Obviously, Sharp and Watts have to stay to fly the shuttle home. Good for them. <laughs> all of the other astronauts are dead, so they, they are out. So, oh, hey, you're only good at drilling, not flying? Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, darn it. Guess, uh, wait a minute. What about Peter Stormare? The guy we just picked up? <laughs> I feel like he's probably capable of flying. He is the only certified astronaut besides the two guys who need to fly this American shuttle home. Oh, there. You, that's it. That's He doesn't know how to use the buttons on the American version. So the rest of them, they draw straws, and Ben Affleck draws the short straw. Oops. And Colonel Sharp is like, all right, well, here's how you're going to use the, the detonator. You just <laughs> like I doesn't even give flip a it open, hit the button, to like, hit the button. Come to terms with this. He's like, all right, listen, fucker's about to blow up. <laughs> this is how you use this thing. I love that he just full on hits the buttons. Like, I thought it was going to blow up right like there. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's not attached to anything. I get it, but. Yeah, but. Maybe don't push all the buttons. Right? Like, some sort of sense of safety protocol. I don't know. <laughs> right? Don't just hit the detonator buttons all willy-nilly. Safety meeting! Safety meeting, space team! <laughs> Let's talk through this real fast. I got to make sure that everything's unplugged. Is it unplugged? Is it? <laughs> Guys, come on. Come on. Unplug it so I can tell them how to use the buttons. Come all on, right. Come I'm going to use the detonator I don't buttons. I want to blow us all up. Well, only one of us is about to get FDA by a nuke on an asteroid. <laughs> Bruce Willis volunteers to take Ben Affleck down to the surface because apparently that was a thing that needed to happen and nobody saw through this. Nobody did. Nobody did at all. And if I get at the table again, I would. When the elevator reaches the bottom, Bruce Willis disables- Oh, there's an elevator, by the way. Oh, yeah, there's, there's an elevator. You should say there's an elevator, because of course there is. The elevator reaches the surface. Bruce Willis disables Ben Affleck's air supply and throws him back into the elevator. You say disables. He, he yanks grabs out a the hose, and he just says, yep, fuck it. Yank. It's like, oh, Here you go. Close the door to the elevator, the space suffocate. elevator. <laughs> and he's like, this is my job. This is my job. Just sobbing uncontrollably. And Bruce Willis is like, no, you got a new job. 
Gotta take care of my daughter. I can stay away. <laughs> uh, not that one. This is complicated. They've made it complicated. They've made it complicated. Too many dads caring about so their daughter. So many dads. So many dads to just want to do the best for Liv. I'm so conflicted <laughs> right now. It's like, do I follow my my 12th last hair movie dad or my borderline transvestite big lip dad? I don't know. I mean, options. Liv Tyler. She's a good actress, man. She had to deal with these complicated feelings of this entire thing. My two dads. <laughs> one sings to me while I'm in compromising positions, and the other one's losing his hair. That's right. <laughs> Very complicated movie for Liv Tyler. Very complicated. Daddy issues, literally. As the elevator's going back up, Ben Affleck is sobbing and telling Bruce Willis that he loves him, and slowly... As it goes up, he's like getting lower and lower in the elevator. Like I can still see you, a little bit lower now, a little bit lower now. But the elevator's going higher, now. and Ben Affleck's going. It's like lower. a really depressing version of shout. Hey, <laughs> there's not a little bit louder now. It will never come back. <laughs> it doesn't get there. The freedom tries to leave, but experiences engine failure because because of course yeah, it does. Duh. Because Michael Bay is. Not willing to let anything be easy ever, ever. Ever. Once again, Peter Stormare comes to the rescue and gets the shuttle's thrusters and main engines going again by whacking them. He starts hitting it. He says, doesn't matter where it's from, pretty much. All made in China. Oh, yeah. He's bashing it. <laughs> it's wonderful. American engine, Russian engine. It's all made in Taiwan. That's it. <laughs> it's beautiful. So good. It's the most appropriate thing in this movie. Bruce Willis sends a message to his daughter from the Armadillo's video feed. <laughs> of course he does. I like how he pushes AJ into the elevator. He's like, oh, I might as well fuck off to the Armadillo because I have enough time now to push the, <laughs> the <laughs> until they take off. Oh, I got 18 whole minutes nuke. to blow up this. All right. Neat. Got I got time to kill. <laughs> he tells Liv Tyler that he, he's not coming home. He's like, I know I promised I'm coming home, but I'm going to have to break that promise. It's touching. And he also is like, hey, by the way, I support your plans to marry Ben Affleck. He's he's a good egg. Right, and it's it good that they're having out. this in a very private conversation. Right. It's not like they put this video feed on the big board of NASA. <laughs> the or big board. Anything. It's not like his face is on 17 different monitors in front of Lyft Island. Right. Bruce Willis' is first day of filming. Which is incredible. That's insane to incredible. me. Incredible. They dive right into the heavy stuff. Did you happen to watch the I Don't Want to Miss a Thing music video? No. Because it was in the special features on the Blu-ray that you're I own. You're kidding me. So I watched the video. I got the Criterion version, spine number 40, and you're <laughs> saying it's on yours? Yeah, yeah. I got the whole video, and it is just scenes from this movie and Steven Tyler singing in the spiky room. You're kidding. Not not the first spiky room, the second spiky room that had the armadillo in it. It's the whole band in the spiky room with the armadillo. I vaguely remember this from back in the day MTV. But at the end of the video... Instead of Bruce Willis's face on all the monitors, it's Steven Tyler singing, but Liv Tyler still puts her hand up on the monitor. You're kidding me. And oh my God, did I almost die laughing. The only thing worse than that would be if Steven Tyler ate an animal cracker directly <laughs> after doing that. It was phenomenal, and I felt so validated. I'm like, Holy oh no, this is actually shit. super creepy. And well- uh, we'll get there. I'm going to tease. Not the best ending <laughs> to something, because we will get there. Holy shit, we will get there. Yeah. Bruce Willis having a very touching moment with his fake daughter. 
Right. He never sang to her. He did not. Should be noted. Should be noted. I want that on the record. So the freedom gets up and running, and it, it flies off, and Colonel Sharp whispers a final goodbye and thank you to Bruce Willis. Thank you. <laughs> good job, Harry. The whole crew Fine. is like just saying to themselves, like, good job, Harry. All of them. Which is insane. It's absolutely crazy. Because we need to eke out every last drop of tension, Bruce Willis now has to climb out of some kind of hole to get back to the detonator. I don't get it either. And he detonates the bomb at exactly zero seconds. Because, of course, he does. Because he like takes his time to. doing it, too, which is wild to me. It, it's crazy because like he picks up the detonator and has it in his hand with 18 seconds left to go. It takes him 18 seconds to hit the two buttons. Well, I got to imagine that what Bruce Willis is going for right here is like, when you're an NFL quarterback and you're trying to get like, all right, fourth and two, and you're going to go for it because you're a little too far out of field goal range. Right. You can't see that fake line that NBC is showing. That's true. And that's got to be what Bruce Willis is kind of going through right now, where he can't see that zero hour mark. He has no idea how much time he has. So he's just like, except for the fact he's me, got. Let me figure this out my own. Billy right Bob Thornton ate his ear yelling at him to hit the fucking hit button. Hit the fucking <laughs> button, you soon to be bald bitch. God damn it. <laughs> Gotta hit the button. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he hits the button. The asteroid splits in half, misses the Earth by 400 miles, and his life flashes before his eyes. And his life is just Liv Tyler. That's it. That's it. It's touching. And also kind of a cool death scene. It is very it's different. quick the way they do it. Where And it's kind of dignified, I think. It's extremely dignified because you do see the the quick shots of Liv Tyler as like a little girl growing yeah. up very quickly. Extremely. It's only seconds long. Like, I can't. Yeah. It's very quick. And then you see the asteroid blowing up. That's it. They That's don't it. show any more Bruce Willis anything. Right. They don't dive too deep into it. I actually think it's very it's effective. Very well done. Uh, everything from here on out is about to be extremely emotional. Yes. And it lands. It absolutely lands. All around. I'm going to hold you to that because there's one part that I'm, I'm not curious. sure Now lands. I'm really curious. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Yes. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Everything besides Steve Buscemi lands. Uh, on the ground, celebrations take place all around the world. And it's, again, you get As all they these should, shots. Because, because Paris is dead. Paris Let's is all dead. celebrate. Yay. Let's throw our weird berets in the air and say, these are going to be a thing of the past now. We don't have, we have them to now. do that. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Sacre. I don't know what to say here. No more mimes. No more. <laughs> The Silent Killer. That's another movie I'd watch. <laughs> a mime killer? A, a mime assassin. Oh, God, that's beautiful. <laughs> what did he kill him with? We couldn't see. I have no idea. No idea. Some sort of invisible weapon, I imagine. <laughs> the folks at NASA are losing their shit. Billy Bob goes and comforts Liv because Billy Bob's a good dude. He is a really, really good dude. He is. And he is the very down to earth. He's very... Blue collar, he very much relates to the drillers. Yeah. Which I appreciate. And he gets the one PG-13 F-bomb. Oh, God, good for him. And man. he uses it in such a good place. Oh, he kills it. It's, he's absolutely demolished. They're it. arguing about the secondary protocol and how they're going to blow it up on the surface. And he says, you know that's not going to... He says something like, you know that's not going to fucking work. No, he says, and you know very well this is the one fucking order you should disobey. That is what he says. And oh, God, does it land. Get that fucking in there, Billy Bob. Exactly. You get one, use it. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
you know that this is the one order you should fucking disobey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sling NASA, I believe is what Ben Affleck called That's him. exactly what he called him. Beautiful. The remaining crew from the Freedom and Independence returned to Earth as heroes. Seemed very easy to get back. Yep. They just kind of land like- No issues. Flight Michael from Bay Atlanta. gave him a break, finally. <laughs> Touchdown, no issues, Kennedy Space Center, and they're met with the families of all the astronauts. Right. They're not getting quarantined into any weird anything like you would normally do. Right. Just instantly on the tarmac, here's everybody who wants yep, to say go hi. Go touch this person who's on this weird space rock. <laughs> You're going to get space cancer. That's how you get space cancer. That's not what you want. No. Michael Douglas got regular cancer from eating out his wife. <laughs> Allegedly. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Not nearly as cool as space cancer, believe it or not. I'm so glad that I didn't ever accidentally say Michael Douglas instead of Michael Clark Duncan. How could you confuse the two? Oh, you can't, but their names are similar. Okay. And it was- a, it was, <laughs> You want to go with that? It was something that I had in my head that I might do, and I didn't, so- I'm just celebrating myself. Fair enough. Good job, Harry. We've said that Michael Douglas got the coolest cancer of all time. Yeah. Eating out Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Space cancer's arguably cooler. So what you need to do- Eat out Catherine Zeta-Jones. In space. In space. Yep. Ultimate cancer. Be very careful. Someone might be listening who will make that happen. Oh, that would would be awful if that happened. Don't do that, everyone (laughs) listening. (laughs) Please don't somehow make that happen in my life. Don't fanfic that and send it to katepodcasts at gmail.com. Oh, now you're really asking for it. (laughs) Ben Affleck reunites with Liv Tyler. They go running to each other. You can't even tell that her dad just died. She's so happy to see him. Yep. I actually like how they have, again, another right stuff shot, but there's just- there's missing people. Like Like half of them are gone. They're gone. (laughs) It's wild. It's like Thanos just said, well, fuck it. Here Don't we go. Do that. I apologize to everybody if you lost loved ones <laughs> in my snap. Give it five years. Yeah. Simple as that. I'll be back. We'll call it a blip. Chick is met by his son and his, his former wife? I don't know. I don't know either. But this scene, oh boy. It's beautiful. This guy doesn't do a ton in this movie, but everything he does crushes it. Will Patton is a phenomenal actor. Absolutely. And he sells this character who doesn't have much to work with. And just, oh my God, he's one of my favorites. He's amazing. He has like my favorite arc in the whole movie. It's a short arc and it works. Very short arc. Yeah. Even Steve Buscemi is met by the stripper he met the night before the mission. Which is good for him, I guess. Even though he was trying to die the whole time because he wanted to pay back the person he borrowed money from. Exactly. He's got a $100,000 loan. Which should not be a problem now. He just saved the world. You would think, but he's also Steve Buscemi. That's a good point. Colonel Sharp meets with Liv Tyler and offers his gratitude and admiration for her father's bravery and sacrifice. He says, I want to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met, who I tried to shoot in space. Yep, I did try to shoot him in space. And I only came around when he strangled me with a giant (laughs) space wrench. (laughs) But we're going to leave that little footnote out of history, just like we're going to leave out Steve Buscemi's space dimension. Right. I know for a fact that when the communication was cut now, you you might have seen me yell out, oh, you guys are the biggest disgrace in the history of NASA. <laughs> that was my space dimension, Liv right. Tyler. I That's a, nothing. I had a touch of the space the, dimension, The wrencher too. on the neck really straightened me out. That's what wrenches do. That's right. It's really, you know, tightened all those loose screws I had. 
Oh, God. I'm the lug nut, really. I was. And now I'm here. We saved the world. <laughs> Shake my hand so I can go out of this movie. <laughs> exactly. Give me my closure for my character. Thank you. <laughs> ben Affleck gives Bruce Willis's mission patch to Billy Bob Thornton for Which his is last amazing. request. It's so good. And and you're and Billy Bob's like, thank you, because my leg, I, I couldn't I couldn't go. Right. Because my leg. You saw that one shot? Uh, I've got a bum leg. I'm not going to pick on this one. No, I'm it's actually, actually a great moment. Because Billy Bob's reaction is more like, you son of a bitch. Of course he like, did. Of course. <laughs> of course that's what this he is. He was about to hit the detonator and blow himself up to save the whole planet, and he thought to give me his mission patch. Beautiful. God damn, Bruce Willis. That Bruce Willis! It's <laughs> my shit. I can't believe we didn't get there till now. I'm surprised. It's shocking to me. As the end credits roll, we see Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck's wedding. Everybody's there in the front row. Including the pictures of all the Our dead people. Photographs. That's of- what I want in the happiest day of my life is dead astronaut pictures. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Well, you know, you got a dad there. <laughs> I guess so. Just like, who walked him down the aisle? That I have photo. to imagine it was Billy Bob. Oh, the photo? <laughs> <laughs> like NASA need some Lieutenant Dan legs on this photo <laughs> oh, magic no. legs <laughs> oh no we messed up she walked down the aisle with the Owen Wilson photo oh god <laughs> wow wow and I like how that whole ending is shot by Michael Bay and Ben and Affleck Ben Affleck yep on Ben Affleck's Super 8 and that is Armageddon from 1998, directed by the Michael fucking Bay. Sure is. And if you stick around for the credits <laughs> on the Criterion commentary, you get to hear some sort of just batshit stories that are still going on throughout the entire credits. The entirety of the credits. And it makes you stick around way too long, <laughs> to the point that me and Brian kept watching it. And there was a good, I don't know, three-minute break where we're like, someone else has got to speak. Like, there's someone nothing else, else here, like, right? Okay, nothing else here, nothing else here, fine. And then, <laughs> out of the darkness, Brian, what is the last the very said last in second. darkness in these credits? It's just Bruce Willis saying, God bless America. <laughs> After three minutes <laughs> of, of silence out of nowhere, <laughs> it is the greatest possible thing in the world. I don't care what Marvel does in their <laughs> post credits. They will never touch never Bruce be. Willis out of fucking nowhere America. saying, God bless America. <laughs> it was... The best part about that was I had just said Bruce Willis offered nothing on this commentary. And then as if to just show me up, he was like, God bless America. <laughs> and I had to take it back because f- it blew my mind. We were we lost it laughing because oh that God. was like the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in probably a movie ever because yeah. it was so out of left field. So <laughs> unexpected. Just wow. But that Officially, as Armageddon 1998, Michael fucking May. I fucking love this movie. It's great. I love this I movie. I hate that I love this movie. I agree with that. I feel dirty every single time I watch this movie, yeah. and I watch this movie often. Way too often. <laughs> I love it. I tend to tear up during this movie, too. It gets and, me every time. You know, I'm not ashamed of that. And we're going to get there. We absolutely will. I want to just dive right into the Rotten Tomatoes score on this thing. Okay. Because there's so much to talk about about this movie, and it is all wrapped up in a big old we'll get there. Oh, yeah. There are literal dead astronauts <laughs> to be discussed. 
Rotten Tomatoes, 1 100. Go ahead. 80. Yeah, 38. What? Yeah. You are way off. I've never been more off, I think. Audience score 73. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking. Audience. Roger Ebert, he saw this. Okay. He gave it a one out of four. What? I've mentioned one thing that he said about this movie on the main channel previously, and I'll read it again. Okay. Because Roger Ebert, he says, okay. <laughs> so you do succeed in blowing up an asteroid the size of Texas. What if a piece the size of Dallas is left? Wouldn't that be big enough to destroy life on Earth? What about a piece the size of Austin? Let's face it. Even an object the size of a big Walmart outside Abilene would pretty much <laughs> clean us out if you count the parking lot. And it's not wrong because we learned yeah. a six-mile asteroid destroyed the dinosaurs, destroyed life as we knew it. wasn't real. We saw the- Right. Was it was CGI. CGI. Never forget. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He goes on to say, Texas is a big state. Good on Roger Good for knowing job. that. Good job, Roger. But as a celestial object, it wouldn't be able to generate much gravity. That's also probably true. Yet when the astronauts get to the asteroid, they walk around on it as if the gravity is the same as on Earth. Thrusters. There's no sensation of weightlessness until it's needed, that is. And then a lunar buggy flies across a jagged canyon, Evil Knievel style. Okay. Yeah. All that happens. And he ends by saying, staggering into the silence of the theater lobby after the ordeal was over... I found a big poster that was fresh off the presses with the quotes of Junket Blurbsters. Junket Blurbsters? It will obliterate your senses, reports David Gillen, who obviously writes autobiographically. It will suck the air right out of your lungs, vows Diane Kaminsky. If it does, consider it a mercy killing. Oh my God. He really hated it. He hated this. He calls it loud. He calls it ugly. He calls it terrible filmmaking. Roger wow. Ebert is wrong. I believe he also at one point calls it a two and a half hour movie trailer. So Roger Ebert <laughs> is right. <laughs> you got to let me finish sometimes. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is very complicated. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's... Extremely good and extremely bad simultaneously. And let's never, ever, ever, ever forget that it has spine number 40 <laughs> in the Criterion Collection. The Criterion Collection is kind of considered the end-all, be-all of DVDs and Blu-rays. Yeah. The best of the best, things that are cleaned up and serve some sort of cultural or artistic purpose. Right. Armageddon also has the distinction of being the last... Criterion movie for Laserdisc. I didn't know Laserdisc was even around in 1999 when this thing got released. This was the um, last one. Criterion. Yeah. That's it, amazing. It's like disc 348 or something. One of the biggest questions besides how the hell did The Rock get a Criterion Collection release <laughs> was how did Armageddon get a Criterion Collection release? Yeah. A lot of people say that it got its Criterion release because they needed a big blockbuster movie that everyone was going to buy because you did have your true foes and your Kurosawa's and your Spike Lee do the right thing type right. movies leading up to it that they needed something a little more commercial to sell the DVDs and that's why it was such a small release and that's why it's never been re-released interesting but going further than that Janine Basinger from Wesleyan University Film Studies Department there she's written seven books about filmmaking 
So she's got a pretty good idea what she's talking about, yeah. I'd say. Wasn't she one of Michael Bay's teachers? Absolutely was. All right. She actually wrote a guest essay. As you know, they do that for Criterion. Right. Roger Ebert wrote the one for The Rock, weirdly enough. Fascinating. Janine Basinger says, It is true that Armageddon, a perfect example of Bay's work, illustrates his take-no-prisoners form of storytelling, in which he trusts an audience to figure things out. One of its strengths is its minimum of dreadful exposition that over-explains the inevitable pseudoscience. Yes, it gives audiences a lot to absorb. Yes, it cuts quickly from place to place, person to person, event to event. But it is never confusing. That's so true. Never boring and never less than a brilliant mixture of what movies are supposed to do. Tell a good story, depict characters through active events, invoke an emotional response, and entertain simply and directly without pretense. Crushed it. Armageddon is exactly what a movie is supposed to be. Yeah. And that's a little scary. It is, isn't it? Because, again, when you think of the Truffauts and the Kurosawas and the Spike Lee do the right thing, you're thinking of things that are cinema, things that are proper filmmaking that have an art behind them. Things that Martin Scorsese wouldn't call a roller coaster ride or an amusement park ride. I always go back to the only time I ever talked to Francis Ford Coppola. I told him thank you. That's all I got to do is I shook his hand, but he gave a speech that night when I watched his garbage movie, Youth Without Youth. <laughs> it's a garbage pile of a movie. Do not see it. I will stop you flat there. There's a reason you never heard of it, because it sucks. But he said, there's a reason for all these films existing. There's an audience for these things. Nothing goes unwatched. Right. There's always an audience for these things. You like what you like. Exactly. Different filmmakers do things in different ways. Some of it's A to B, some of it's A to C, back to B. Some of it is CBA, if you want to go memento. Memento. There's different ways to tell stories. Michael Bay is incredibly effective at telling a story. He does not treat the audience like they're stupid. Right. Which I cannot tell you how much I appreciate. He does not over-explain things. He lets you fill in the gaps. He lets you point out the plot holes because... He is also pointing out the plot holes. Yes. He understands exactly what he is doing. Alfred Hitchcock would respect the fuck out of Michael Bay because Alfred Hitchcock often said that if you push a button on a keyboard, a piano keyboard, you can get evoke a certain emotion. You can tell a certain story. You can get to a certain plot point that quickly. That's how it should be. Michael Bay is a phenomenal filmmaker. Say what you will about his stories, about the stories he actually tells. The, ex- right. the, the way he goes about telling it might be insane the way he does it. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He is yeah. a brilliant filmmaker. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. He deserves both of his Criterion movies wow. that he has. There it is. I agree. I agree with that. I can't believe you just said the sentence. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock would love Michael Bay or would respect the fuck out of Michael Bay. I can't believe it either. But I mean, I but don't, here we are. I think you're right. So the purpose of film is to evoke emotion. It's another yeah. art form in order to tell a story. Michael Bay does that. Does exactly that. Perfectly. Every time. Every single time. He is never boring. Even when there's robots that turn into cars. <laughs> exactly. And Shia LaBeouf. And Shia LaBeouf. The worst part about that movie. Sam Witwicky. 
It's the worst name ever. I mean, it's terrible. The movie's never not boring, though. It's true. So there you go. Yeah. Speaking about never not boring, Amazon.com. Oh, boy. I'm sure this one runs the gamut. It doesn't. Really? This is one of the highest rated movies I've ever seen. All right. I guess I just don't understand anything anymore. 10,069 reviews. Nice. Nice. 4.8 out of 5. 86% five star, 1% one star. Most of them are because the rental didn't load. Damn. It blew my mind. I was expecting to be reading these things for forever. Yeah. Not the case at all. Well, that's pretty awesome. People love this movie. People love this movie a lot. Good. They should. As they should. And with that, let's give this thing a not-so-super-stuffed score. Let's do it. Start off with story and motivation. It's ridiculous. It's insane. But? But it's told so well. It is. I'm going to go, I'm going to start at one. I think one is, yeah. One might actually be appropriate. I think one is as high as you can go on this because it is, <laughs> it is ridiculous. absolutely ludicrous. Drillers are sent to space. Instead of spacemen being taught to drill. And Michael Bay's reaction to that was shut the fuck up. And, and I which love is that. Perfect. I love that. He's like, yeah, I know what it is. One. He one. knew exactly what this movie was. Protagonists. There's a lot. There's a ton it's of mostly them. Bruce Willis. It's but really it's really an ensemble. Everybody. And they make a point of saying this is an ensemble movie. It's why Bruce Willis was so comfortable doing it. Yeah. Because Bruce Willis is notorious for being difficult to work with. Yes. He was apparently incredibly easy to work with on this movie. How about that? Which is nuts to me. That's insane. But he's also said since then that he will never work with Michael Bay again. So who really knows? Which is also insane. I don't get it, but. <laughs> I think that everyone has a purpose. I agree. Even Steve Buscemi somehow. I can't believe I'm going to say one for Heroes and Armageddon. I think you're. they save the day. They do. And boy, do they. It's not like a makeup factory. They save the world. Don't Catwoman Armageddon, please. <laughs> Thank you. Antagonist. It's a rock. It's a rock. And which is weirdly the coming. same antagonist sort of from his previous movie. <laughs> that, that is. <laughs> huh, how about that? Uh, it's a rock. It's a rock. It's going to travel at its speed no matter what. It is it's constant. It's really going to change its course. Unchanging. It's bad. It is intimidating. It is. It's goofy looking. It carries If stakes. nothing else. I kind of want to go like 0. 0.5. It doesn't do anything yeah. until it needs to do stuff. Exactly. <laughs> until it's dramatically appropriate for it to, oh, oh gosh, rock a storm. gas attack. <laughs> a gas attack. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, is, it does have a lot of convenient moments. But overall, it is. I still think it's a, I mean, as far as antagonists go, if you're going to have one that's not a character, this is pretty good. It starts spinning out plot points eventually of destroying (laughs) New York and France and Shanghai, but nowhere else. But nowhere else. I mean, the earth is how many percent water and it doesn't ever touch Well, no, they do say after the New York scene that it it hit New York and other places too. They just showed us New York. But then, I mean, Paris, that thing hit dead Paris, center. It just, yeah, it, it aimed for the Eiffel Tower. Uh-huh. I'm going to go 0.5. I think 0.5 is appropriate and maybe a little generous. I think it's very generous. Let's talk okay about female characters, though. Liv Tyler. That's pretty much it. Animal crackers. Animal crackers. Michael Bay had to convince her to do the animal cracker scene. He said, I'll shoot your stomach real well. That's, and that's a problem, too. That is such a problem. He's like, I'm real good at making sexy stuff. She is not a strong character. No. She's just kind of there. Yep. I'm going to go zero. I think zero is appropriate. 
even in the commentary, Ben Affleck was talking about how how difficult it must have been for her working amongst all these twenty five other dudes, and it's just her. She's like, hey, he, she held her own. Yeah, rough, but still rough. There was that one lady astronaut though that she was in the movie. She sure got some screen time. She had, I think, a line or two, and she got called hot and once. She sure did. Yep. So, whoops. Yep. <laughs> Setting. I think this is. I'm going to start at two. I think that's appropriate. I'm gonna st- yeah. No, I'm going to go three for this one. I think you're right. Oh, shit. I think you're right. Okay. <laughs> they established they the world insane extremely things. well. And then obviously the asteroid they itself. They shoot at NASA. I'm not allowed to go higher than three, right? I know you're not, but. I'm going to go three. That's why we're going to give Hard that a stop three. Hard three. And they even built the set of the asteroid. Yeah. Where they had to dig down 40 feet into it just so they could build it up 90 Crazy. feet. Because they didn't want to see any ceilings. They didn't want to shoot it that way. They wanted it to feel like it's fully engulfed in this asteroid. That's phenomenal to me. Absolutely insane. They Three. $2 million just to dig a hole so they can make it more realistic. I love it. It's unbelievable to me. Style and tone. This movie knows exactly what it is. A hundred percent. I go. I immediately go back to, yeah, I know there's no fire in space. It's a movie. Michael Payne knew exactly what he was doing, 100%. and that is scary. I'm going to go two. Yeah. This thing is true to I what it is. I hate saying that, and I'm going to go two. Two. That brings us to director. This one's going to be complicated. This is complicated. Because he did know exactly what he was doing. Yep. He went about it in the wrong way when he kept talking. Yep. I'm going to go one and leave it at one because his vision was to shoot at NASA. And then he shot at NASA. He sure as hell did. And also, he got his way a lot of the time and all the other things he had to shoot, yeah. which is amazing. He did keep the camera moving. He did. Nothing is ever boring to look at right. in this I movie. love the way he does depth, too, when, with the shooting stuff in the foreground. and just It's great. Because he never goes to the background. Right. It's like all this deep focus work that he keeps doing. It's wild to me. What blows my mind is that like a nothing scene he will just quickly move the camera 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. For what reason? I don't know. But, but here we are. But it keeps the camera moving. It keeps it interesting. Yeah, it keeps it dynamic. I can't believe I'm going to go one for Michael Bay. One for Michael Again. Bay. Again. <laughs> Music. I love it. I do, too. It's so similar to The Rock, where it is this very orchestral score that's getting played, but it it's so appropriate. It keeps yeah. going through the whole thing. And not to mention Aerosmith. Aerosmith did four songs on the soundtrack, and all four of them are in the movie. And one of Aerosmith's most famous songs comes from this movie now. Yeah. Yeah, it leads to divorces. <laughs> we know that. But it's incredibly recognizable. Yeah. Also, the soundtrack for this, this movie had songs from Bon Jovi's Easy Top and Journey. So, like, you can't beat that. And went quadruple platinum. That's insane. Quadruple platinum and was number one in the Billboard 200. And that's not even talking about Trevor Rabin, who is absolutely just oh, he killed rushing in this movie. He absolutely killed I could it. actually sing you the Armageddon theme. That's how, I mean, that's- It's extremely good. Oh. But the thing that blows my mind about Aerosmith, and I want to go back to, don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. Is when you think of big songs from that time, especially 1998, if I told you Goo Goo Dolls Iris, do you know the movie it's from? Michael. No. What's it from? The other one. City of Angels. City of Angels. Oh, yes. But Don't Want to Miss Thing is so identifiable with Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it helps that the literally the entire music video is Armageddon. I just think that's so huge. It is huge. 
the connection between that monster hit song and this movie. Okay, two. Two it is. I'm not going to fight that. <laughs> I like that answer a lot. One-liners. This movie's got a ton. It does have a ton. Some of them aren't as memorable as others. Yeah. None of them want to pay taxes again. Which I think is great. Ever. They may be good astronauts, but they're shit drillers. <laughs> it's very good. I think my favorite line in this movie does come from Owen Wilson, though. Which one? When he asks, can you describe what it's going to be like on the asteroid? And Billy Bob Thornton starts describing it. He's like, oh, no, no, just the scariest thing imaginable. That's fine. Okay. Oh, you could, you, just, said, you could just said that. Scariest thing imaginable. Scariest thing imaginable. Okay. Oh. I think that is such an aces line. It's so good. You know what I think my favorite line is? He's got space dementia. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, I'm going to go 0.75. Yeah, I think I think that's appropriate. And the final category is impact on the industry. Unknown, in my mind, because this movie did come out at the same time as Deep Impact. A deep Impact, right. And that's the one it always gets compared to. And Michael Bay, in the commentary, says he got invited to the premiere of Deep Impact. He's like, I don't know why. It was Paramount. Ha ha. ha <laughs> fancy boy. Ha ha. And then he started shitting all over Deep Impact. He did. The rest of the he commentary. He did. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun, actually. It's a weird bit of salesmanship. Yeah. But there it is. Uh, it's a disaster movie. It Obviously, is. Obviously, Roland Emmerich is going to keep rolling with it, uh, if you will. Uh, because you do get, like, Day After Tomorrow. Independence right. Day had already come out. Right. Uh, Godzilla had come out already. Yep. At and bombed. It did get four Academy Award nominations. Which is nuts to me. Which is, uh, it got it for sound effect editing, visual effects, original song. So good thing we we bumped up that music yep. score and best sound. But that's expected from an action film. Exactly. Action films typically exactly. It also, do get those bumps for best sound and best yeah. sound effects. It also got nominated for seven Razzies. It's impressive so, when you look at that balance. Which, worst actor, Bruce Willis. Worst, that's surprising. I thought it was surprising too. And I believe that's the only one it actually won. What? Yeah. I thought he was pretty good at this. I did too. It also got nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst Supporting Actress in Liv Tyler. Who else? Right. Worst Screen Couple of Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck, and Worst Original Song. So it got nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar for the same song. Which makes me think that one's bullshit, and I have a good feeling it's the Razzie on that side. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was an annoying song because it played so often at the time, but... Sure. Well, I mean, we're one year removed at that point from... My heart will go on. So I get why we're over right. hearing the same song over and over. Right. But that's kind of bullshit. I think the Razzies there kind of blew it. Yeah. Impact on the industry, though. It's also in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> that's the <laughs> fucked up part. That's a .25 automatic. I, I think you're right on that. I think total, I'm going to go with .75. Okay. And my reasoning behind it is the Criterion commentary was recorded in 1999. Mm-hmm. And Ben Affleck openly talks about how much he learned from this That's true. movie. About how he learned how to work on more of a larger budget, how to work on a bigger scale picture. Because yeah. realistically, Ben Affleck had really only been doing Kevin Smith up until this point. Right. Small pictures. But he did direct a Best Picture film in Argo. He wasn't nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards that year, but he won a Golden Globe for Best Director, so that's got to count for something. Yeah. Obviously, he had his Oscar from Goodwill Hunting, which was also a small picture at the time. Right. But he talked about how much he learned on about this movie. filmmaking, about directing on this movie. And I think that it should say a lot about the impact that he eventually did direct a Best Picture winner because of what he learned on films like this. 
That's a 0. 0.75 for impact on the industry. That's going to give Armageddon a total score of 12. Okay, you know what? I'm okay with that. I think that's it fine. It broke it, but not too but, but crazily. Not, yeah, not insane. Perfect spot Just for a 12. Armageddon. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. That was a good pick from you. Thank you. I'm afraid to ask, but Dave, what are we talking about next month? My pick, huh? It's, Still? It is your turn. So I'm a little torn. Mm-hmm. Because I know there's two movies you haven't seen that I badly want to talk about. Okay. And I think I have a good idea which direction I want to go. It's been a little while since we did a musical. Oh. So next month for June. For June. We are going to talk about the Rick Moranis oh. classic Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. I have been wanting to watch this movie for so Fame. long. And suddenly, I get to watch it. Suddenly, Seymour, you get to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that was the joke. That's a, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to talk about this one. There's quite a bit of backstory to it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it should be a fun one to watch because it is a remake. I did not know that. There you go. All right. We'll get there <laughs> next in, month. In a month. Until then. You know the deal. Thank you guys for being here and listening and subscribing to our Patreon. Thank you for your continued support, and thank you for telling your friends about us. And if you're not telling your friends about us, what the hell, man? Tell your friends Tell about your us. Tell your friends about us! Peer pressure! Yeah. It's a real thing, and sometimes it works. You're old enough now that you shouldn't be affected by it as much as if you were a teen, which you would be extremely affected by, it, and that's a real serious problem in the world. But- where you're are you going now? With? Okay, yeah, yeah. You make your own decisions. <laughs> make your own decisions. And your tell decision your should be to tell your friends. That all the cool kids are here. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, guys. Thank you for all of your support. We really uh, appreciate it, guys. This is like the fun stuff for us. It like, is. This the main is... channel stuff is fun also, but it feels like sometimes there's a gun to our head when we have to talk about Catwoman, Catwoman and Lucy right. and those types of things. This is the stuff we want to talk about. Over this here, we're a lot of fun. We pick everything. And it's, exactly. Yeah. If you want to tell us what movies you think we should talk about, send them to kpodcast.gmail.com or, or tell us on Facebook. Also on Facebook, as long as you're following us, you should see when we drop that post when we're recording, which asks for your questions and comments in the movie. We got a few. All right. Rich Michaels, my dad, he says, great choice. Great question, Dick. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you for- Nailed it. For uh, <laughs> the validation on my choice. I needed that, actually. Did you? No, really? No, I didn't. <laughs> but I appreciate it nonetheless. Phil Hawkins, he's got a question. He says, train drillers to be astronauts or train astronauts to be drillers? What you got? That's the million dollar question of this is, entire like, movie. Here's the thing. It seemed to work out pretty well for Michael Bay. But honestly, I think I'm still going to go the other way. I'm going to train the astronauts to drill. It doesn't seem that hard. It really doesn't. They're very smart boys. They're rockets. They're, they're literal They got to the point of being scientists. astronauts. Means they had to go through a whole bunch of shit to get there. Yeah. Whereas the driller man, he's just like, I drink a Budweiser with my dad, and he taught me how to put a hole in the ground. I'm sure there's more to it than that. <laughs> but still, <laughs> let's not belittle the 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 drilling community. The drilling community who are very active on our Patreon. <laughs> are they? No, of course not. I'm too busy drinking my red and whites to be on your Patreon. Could you could you imagine though if the, all of a sudden the saying became yeah? Well, I mean. You don't have to be some kind of oil driller to figure that out. <laughs> That'd be a weird saying. Be very weird. It'd be like an astronaut going like, I don't know an astronaut from a hole in the ground. It's like, no, you do. You, you should. I you hope. You should. And that's why we choose astronauts over drillers. 
all the, the time. The big three, rocket scientists, brain surgeons, and oil drillers. I will throw in one caveat. Bring Max, because Max is great. Max is the heart of the group. Absolutely. I love Max He's so the only much. one who can go up as a driller. Are we all good? Right. Yeah. We're good? I, I approve. Micah wants to know, frosted or unfrosted animal crackers? Which do you prefer? Frosted. I think the answer is always frosted. Yeah. Also not a cracker. Unless it's cheese frosting. Oh, according to ben Affleck. easy cheese on an animal cracker. Is it a cracker now? I think we call it wit it at that point, awful. right? No, easy cheese. No, cheese whiz and easy cheese are not the same thing. I apologize to all of Philadelphia. I fucking don't. I never will. <laughs> cheese whiz comes in a jar or a can. Can. An easy cheese has a spray nozzle. No, cheese whiz is a spray nozzle. No, that's easy cheese. So there's aerosol cheese versus jar cheese. Yeah. Philadelphia is fucking stupid. Guys, thank you for your questions. You got anything else, Brian? That's it for me. Fantastic. Next month, June. June. Little Shop of Horrors. I can't wait. I'm so excited. We'll see you then. Same pod time. Same pod. God bless America.